You are this country's first openly gay prime minister. How big a deal is this for you personally? Brexit process. U.S. investment bank Lehman Brothers collapsed. I said this was a once-in-a-generation a vote. financial crisis. But I believe we have voted today for the next generation. Don't be rude. Ireland has spoken with a clear, strong voice. I think I should stop now and start again, because I don't think you this is a good news. start of the debate. Welcome to Dublin Law and Politics Review Podcast. My name is Alan Norton and with me today are Desi Allison Sinn Féin and Noel Rock from Fine Gael, with whom I'll be discussing the housing crisis. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or find us on social media via at Dublin LPR or on our website dublinlawandpolitics.wordpress.com. So firstly, would you like to introduce yourselves? Desi Allison, uh, TD, I represent Dublin Northwest. And Noel Rock, uh, TD. I also represent Dublin Northwest, along with Desi and Roshan Shorthall. Um, so we did a quick survey of our listeners, and 75% of them said that they were worried about their housing cost, and 43.8% of them said that they have trouble paying their mortgage or their rent. Mm-hmm. What's your solution for this? Well, I suppose from my point of view, it's very clear that there are a variety of housing problems, right? First of all, is the affordability of rent. Secondly, is the ability for someone to buy their first home if they're in a position to do so. Thirdly, is the social housing issue, uh, overly dependent on the private sector. Uh, fourthly, the homelessness crisis, um, which is uh, manifesting itself as a consequence of the social housing crisis. And then finally, and the one that isn't talked about so much, um, the student uh, housing crisis and the difficulties that students have in terms of getting accommodation that they can afford. So. There are five things, and that's reflected in your listenership, 75% of whom have said that they find it too expensive, ultimately. Um, we need to do a lot more to reduce the cost of renting uh, for the average person. Uh, I disagree with my own party insofar as I believe a rent freeze is necessary. Uh, I disagree with my own party in the sense that I do believe um, that we should have some kind of rental tax rebate. I started renting uh, privately just after college in 2010. And there was a rental tax rebate available then. Little and all as it was, it was certainly a welcome assistance. And rent didn't cost then even nearly as much as it does now. Um, So I feel as though there there should be something done there to help people and to at least make them realise the government does hear their concerns and does care about their concerns. There's two interesting, I suppose, figures that show the problem right now that we see. One, uh, the price of housing in Dublin to buy is 20% off its peak price in the Celtic Tiger. You can actually see it going down ever so slightly, by about 1% from its peak a few months ago. Ever so slightly going down, certainly levelling off everywhere right across Dublin and the country. That's a good thing. But two, the second stat that tells us a problem, manifest problem, is that rental has gone 30% beyond peak. So you have the situation where to buy a home, 20% below peak, but to rent a home, 30% beyond peak. So we can very clearly see there's a, a tale of two housing economies there and that the plight of the renter is so much more difficult right now than it's ever been in the history of the state and we need to do something quite radical in my opinion to a resolve the immediate short-term pressure on renters and b provide supply and the ability for those people to buy in that market that is currently 20 percent below the peak rate well i think the scale of the housing problem it's easy for everyone to see We've something like 100,000 people on the housing waiting list. We've 10,000 people in homeless accommodation, of which just over 3,500 of them are children. 
And we look at the social problems that that's going to bring. They're massive. And the mental health problems that's going to come from all of that with, with young kids. And some of them have been eating their breakfast, sitting on streets, on walls, in cars, and you name it. And they have to travel across the city if they're under, uh, if they're under a half homeless. Um, uh, they, they, they're having a choice in many cases where they're going to go and they're ending up traveling all over the place and they're unfortunately bringing the kids with them and it is absolutely, uh, it's putting a huge burden on people and it's putting a huge burden on the families and the end product of this is going to be very serious problems, uh, social problems down the road and as well, we've already seen it happen and the rents which we've tried time out of number, we brought motion after motion to the dial to get a rent freeze and it was rejected by both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Unfortunately, um, we saw the dangers in this. Now they're talking about a rent freeze now, but the rents are at such a high level. A rent freeze now is um, like, well, we should do it, and we should give incentives to renters. We should give some uh, incentives to renters uh, to cut the price of the rental that they're paying. So it's, it's, it's reached a, a, a point now that it's very difficult to see unless we build large quantities of social and affordable housing and, and rental uh, accommodation. And we need to build them through the local authorities as was done in the 60s, 70s and 80s where there was less money in the country and we were able to do them. But the problem with this government and the previous Fianna Fáil administration, they rely on the private sector. It's not going to work. We either go down the road of state companies building social and affordable housing or we get the state to employ private companies to build large quantities and we pay them on the basis of that. So there are two options there and I, and I believe we're, we, we have to head in that direction. We have an ambitious programme. Um, uh, Ono Brin now is our housing spokesperson who to me is way beyond anyone in terms of housing. He has the qualifications. I've done housing for the party before him. Mm -hmm. I would have a reasonable knowledge of housing, but I have to say he's a step above what, what I could do in terms of housing. So we have proposed that we need to build at least 100,000 social affordable and, and rental over the next number of years, over the term of this next government. And we need to invest huge money. So we are talking about 6.5 billion needs to be put in on top of the money that's there. And that is doable. The money is there. And I pointed out that now I have to hand back $4 billion. Um, We have a crisis. We should declare a crisis. And that money should be pushed into building. Because the repercussions of all of this is how in God's name do we, do we entice nurses, doctors, uh, professional people in the building industry? How do we get them back into our country? If they can't pay the basic rents, and they're not able to. The cost of living is far too high. And unless we produce large quantities of social and affordable housing, that will bring down the prices and bring the rents down into a, to a reasonable level, we are going to be stuck in this for the foreseeable future. These both mentioned uh, rent freeze. Mm -hmm. There's been this rhetoric going around that that's unconstitutional. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I suppose I, I'll speak to it. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it is in the sense that we had a rent freeze before mm -hmm. before rent pressure zones were introduced we had a rent freeze before now perhaps it's the case that an indefinite rent freeze is unconstitutional yeah. 
and you start testing it there. But I think if it's time limited, uh, I think you'd probably be fine on the constitutionality side. However, it does introduce the sort of the musical chairs problem to a certain extent, whereby anyone who has a rental is fine and is disinclined to move because their rent is fine and someone seeking to find a rental property is sort of in a problem. But that's a broader problem of supply more so than the rent freeze. That problem still exists right now, but it's less perhaps and easy to spot. And is that your personal position on it? Or yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, completely. And I mean, I agreed with the rent freeze earlier in the podcast. Like, I mean, Well, irrespective yeah. of a person's personal opinion, yeah. it's the party's opinion mm-hmm. and it's the opinion that's been put before the electorate that counts. And we were conscious of this argument about rent freeze that were used before, but we proposed a three-year rent freeze and to give to give back uh, money to the renters so we can offset the costs. So that's the proposal that we have. And unless we get this right in terms of the rental sector, if you look at who's coming into the homeless at the moment, it's people from mm-hmm. Rent Supplement, RAS, and now uh, the HAP system. So the vast majority of people who are becoming homeless are coming from that sector. And we need to stem that flow. And the only way we can do it is to make rents affordable. And unless we get that, um, we're going to be here. Uh, and we'll be back here arguing the same over the next number of years. One thing I would say, just above and beyond what Desi has said there, is I, in the last 12 weeks only, have become the, the chair of the Oireachtas Housing Committee. Um, so this has led me to read into the brief and also work with people across parties on housing issues such as Owen Brick. And I've said this on the record before, and I've said it on Twitter before. He's literally written the book on it. Yeah. He's actually very good, and the book is well worth reading. Mm. Even if you don't agree with necessarily everything that's set out in it politically, it's a great social history of what's going on in terms mm. of housing and art. Um, and he's got some interesting solutions, and I don't think they should be ignored on part political or ideological reasons. Yeah. Even if you were wedded to the idea of rent protection zones versus a rent freeze, why not dial down the 4% increase? Why not mm. dial that down to 1%? Because, like, say a house on my road, I live on Chandler's Road, around the corner from this camp- campus here. My mortgage is about €1,300, give or take, right, for a house. And I get to keep that at the end of it, because I buy it. A rental property on that same road is about €2,400. And people are renting that. They don't get to put in their own furniture, etc., etc. And they're getting nothing back from the state in terms of tax rebate. And even a perfectly legal 4% increase on their rent is still a lot, even though 4% is a figure, 4% doesn't sound like a lot. If you got 4% on a test, you'd be very disappointed. Mm. 4% on 2,400 euro is 96 euro, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. That's another 100 euro increase that's perfectly legal right now, in effect. So it's exacerbating the problem, I think, to a certain extent. Mm. Uh, while, and sorry, that's the people who comply with it, and they're clearly people who aren't complying with the 4% increases as well. Yeah. I think it's also important to point out that we've talked about affordable housing for a long, long time. And the and the you know we've put uh, the government under pressure over affordable housing, and they haven't introduced a program for affordable housing. In the last you know, couple of years now, um, Okulon and Ballymore have built affordable housing, um, and it's from roughly about one hundred and eighty to about two hundred and twenty thousand. Now that's affordable. We can argue mm-hmm. whether it is or it isn't, yeah. but the state land uh, comes with that at, at no cost or little or no cost. To the, uh, to the to the the housing group, and I mean, if we look at it, the vast majority of people who are walking 
-hmm. and have a reasonable amount of money, they just cannot get the deposits. Um, mm -hmm. They're literally left out of the market. And, you know, even with two people working, they can't raise the money to get a mortgage because they have to have X amount up front. Now, and this has been a huge hindrance. So we need to build affordable housing. We've mm -hmm. only 200 or so built in the last number of years, in spite of what everyone is talking about, affordable housing. The only ones who built them is Okulon, and there's only about 200 or so built. Now, they can ramp, ramp up their capacity, because I've spoken to them, I don't know, many times, and we know that they have the ability to ramp up. So I do think that we need to push in that direction to bring more affordable housing right across the city. The state owns enough land right across the country to build 80, over 80,000 units, um, and we have substantial capacity to build in Dublin City Council. There's plenty of lands in this area, there's plenty of lands right across this whole constituency constituency belong to the local authority. So we need to use them as an incentive now to, to ramp up. I think O'Coolon is a supermodel. Um, I know Hugh uh, from O'Coolon, the head yeah. of it. I think he's done a great job in terms of showing us what can be done. These are great houses that are being built. They're three bedroom, four bedroom, 70 houses. Uh, BER 83 rated, I think it is. Mm. Uh, great for families and people who are working normal jobs on average industrial wage or even below can afford to buy these. And I think that's a good thing. I think there are three things that we've done right in this regard, but there's a lot more to be done. Uh, one is we provided the service sites fund, obviously, allowing for those those Okulon houses to be built. So effectively, the state was subsidising part of the construction of those houses. Certainly not taking credit for building them. We didn't build them, but we provided the service site mm. for them. That, there's a cost there. Two, um, the help to buy scheme, I think, is a good scheme, and I'd like to see it rolled out more so. Um, currently it provides €20,000 for a first-time buyer, in effect, uh, via tax rebate. The Fianna Fáil's policy is an SSIA-type scheme, but if you don't have the money to put into the SSIA-type scheme because you're paying too much in rent, well, mm -hmm. then you can't avail of it. So it only really applies to people who have wealth above and beyond what they're paying out in rent and monthly mm -hmm. expenses. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, whereas our scheme, you already have to pay tax, so of course you're going to get the tax rebate up to €20,000. We're proposing up to €30,000. With the twenty thousand euro scheme that exists right now, sixteen thousand people available last year. So that's number two good thing. And finally, number three good thing, uh, the rebuilding Ireland home loan, um, which a lot of families have gotten a lot of use out of. It provides for a state-backed lower interest rate loan at a multiple of four point five times your income instead of the central bank limit of three point five times your income. Obviously, we can't interfere with the central bank's policy; they're separate, and independent, for obvious reasons around the crash and what have you. But that loan scheme that we've introduced, I think, is a good thing. And I hope any party, would, if they come into power, would seek to, A, keep it, and B, enhance it. And just very briefly, what would you do for students? Because I'm a student, I don't live, from, I don't live in Dublin, so I had to move up here mm -hmm. for college. And I'm probably going to be in debt for years. Yeah. Well, there's a huge amount of student accommodation being built at the moment. And that's been incentivised. And that's why you're seeing such a large amount of them. In Ballymun at the moment, there's nearly 300 units on, under construction there at the moment. There's um, In Gardner Street, you've seen student accommodation that came on stream. Uh, in Dorset Street, you've seen student accommodation come on stream. So there's a huge amount. My big worry on all of this is the cost mm -hmm. that it is. Even though it's shared accommodation, the prices are very high. So this is another added problem for anyone who's a student. On top of the fees, on top of everything else, and we really, you know, we really, the state should be doing this and they should be doing it at an affordable rate. Uh, unfortunately, 
a lot of these are private companies that are stepping in and doing this and they're charging these things. And the size of the accommodation is, you know, to me, is leading to serious problems down the road. Some of these are 15 square meters. If you look at Ballymun under the regeneration, it's the smallest size you built in Ballymun under the regeneration was a 55 square meters. So think of that in terms of what's been built with the student accommodation. I think it's not good. Um, I think the standards have been lowered, to, um, and that's been lowered by the government deliberately. Um, they brought in legislation to lower this, the standards, and I just think that's going to lead to major problems. It's not just with student accommodation, it's with other accommodation. And the other problem is, um, in, in, a, in a lot of cases, planning has been interfered with in a way that I believe will lead to serious, serious problems. For instance, you know, there's a removal on heights in, in areas, and what we're seeing is private developers coming in and not caring about communities. Uh, we all want to see housing, we all want to see uh, things, but you cannot just ride roughshod over residents and, and areas where there's low rise and they're in the middle of things. Whatever about the city centres, whatever about places like that where you expect that there'll be high rise to deliver them like we've got recently in Finglas, we've got nine and ten storeys in front of houses where there was an agreement with residents to have six storeys and that would have uh, sort of blended in in the way that it wouldn't have interfered. Now with nine or ten storeys, it's an absolute, it's a problem for residents. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just think we need to be careful. Um, the, the whole idea of removing um, uh, the, the ability of local authorities to, to, to uh, make judgments on planning. So anything over 100 units goes to a strategic planning, right? Which means that they just go, if you, that goes straight to one board plan, all that, it bypasses the local authority who are the real experts in terms of judging what housing should be or shouldn't be. So I think that has been a very big mistake and I think it needs to be brought back very rapidly um, because the standards are now in my opinion, lowering and lowering, and it's not good enough. Uh, in terms of mm, what can we do for students, is yeah, the question. Well, that's yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, that's a very expansive I mean, yeah, answer. It's yeah, it's an expansive answer, yeah, exactly. but it's, no, no, it's I also, it. I I'm, I'm trying to highlight the problems that a lot of this is creating. Yeah, yeah. For instance, the student accommodation and the size, I think that's very detrimental on the health of a lot of people that are shrugged into a little tiny room and you might have a, a, a room that deals with three or four or five people. But it's the size of these rooms. When you go in and you sit down and you have to study and you have to have things, I think that, that those standards now have gone down to a very low level. I think in terms of what's being done for students, um, I think we want to continue a lot of our investments like this room that we're sitting in right now, which was uh, funded partially by the government, I believe, and partially by the European Investment Bank. I think these are good things, and we can see DCU is undergoing a kind of massive regeneration program in the main, very exciting on-campus prospects for students, less so off-campus, right? Desi's talked about a lot of the student accommodation issues that exist out there. And the kind of the big elephant in the room, in a way, is the reliance that we have right now on the rent-a-room scheme to a certain extent, which isn't necessarily conducive to, I would say, healthy student life. Granted, it takes a lot of pressure off the system, and it does, and I think it's very welcome in that regard, but I think we do need to be looking at 
uh, how do we better facilitate better on-campus accommodation? How do we better mm. facilitate higher quality on-campus accommodation? And one of the things that's quite welcome from my point of view is DCU uh, filing a planning application um, to replace uh, Larkfield, I think it is, on campus, uh, with a more modern, uh, granted higher facility, but I don't necessarily think height is always bad. Uh, I think that's a good thing. There's be more of them on campus, ultimately. And I don't know if any of you live in Larkfield, but um, certainly it was... a. Uh, the more rustic accommodation even when I was here. So uh, I think that's a welcome development and I think I want to see more of that. But it has to be affordable. And if the state has to step in to assist the affordability of that, again, I don't have any ideological issue with that. Um, obviously these things cost money to construct, but I mean, if it's out of reach of the ordinary student, if it's beyond 1,000 euro a month, if it's beyond, actually I don't want to put a figure on it, if it's out of reach of the ordinary student and it requires them to have to take up a full-time job, then that's a problem. Um, massive thank you to Jazzy Allison, Finn and Noel Rock um, Finnegale for joining us today. And thank you for listening to the Dublin Law and Politics Review podcast on the housing crisis. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on social media via Dublin LPR. And comments, questions and suggestions are very welcome via Dublin Law and Politics Review at gmail.com.